0: There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company.
1: And the truth just set you free. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Great moments are born in great opportunity.
0: Welcome, 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 everybody. Time for another installation of On Justice Podcast. I'm Jordan Redavid. That's my partner, John Fisher. What up? We hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, If this is your first time watching us, why? Uh, But to make sure that never happens again, If you're listening on YouTube or, excuse me, watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that bell notification. So you get notified when Justin pumps out a new episode for us, because we're trying our best to not only keep it fresh and and put it out on a recurring basis, but to also be meaningful and help those who are aspiring to be lawyers, already are lawyers who want to be better or people who are in need of lawyers and want to, want to better educate themselves. So make sure you're following us on all the channels. So John and I were talking before we went on air today and, um, about what we should discuss. And I think the, the overarching topic will be career choices within the law. And obviously, we can only really touch on things that we have personal experience with. But there's so much to unpack with that. And, and the impetus for bringing it up is actually a really positive thing, which is today, we're recording this on November 28th. Today, we welcome back Crystal. Crystal worked with us for many years. She worked for John when John was a solo before that. She was one of our best employees. She had done pre-litigation work, litigation work, and worked her way all the way up to office manager when she left. And we were sad when she left. It was amicable for sure. And she spent a couple of years away, and now she wants to come back into the trade, and we took her back with open arms. And to me, that that was reassuring for a lot of reasons, uh, even broader than Crystal, which is to say that it makes me feel good that we're creating the type of environment for employees the type of culture that they know uh they can return to or come to and know that they'll have a good quality of life and job satisfaction because she didn't leave on an employment related issue it's not like she left and went to a competitor she had other things she wanted to pursue in her life and we're glad to have her back
1: yeah yeah i mean look the the reality is is like we're we're happy to have her back um you know she checks a lot of boxes for us and and left and and you know that's she's now the the second, really, the third employee that we've had uh, come back after they've left, um, other being Abigail and Lewis, and so they become instrumental members of the team. You know, we're thankful to have them here, and like that's the one thing you hear a lot of times. People talk about turnover, and you know, people aren't staying, and people, you know, and, and the reason is you got to focus on your culture at the at the firm, what you're offering, how you present, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, goal setting, mind mind mindset for like you as a boss as well as for the employees and just kind of having some clear transparency. And I think that we do a good job doing that with our staff, with, you know, with our attorneys, everybody just saying, look, these are the expectations. These are the benchmarks. This is where we want you to meet it, you know,
0: and it. It'd be it. great. It would be great if every single person, the day that we hired them stayed for the next 30 years or whatever. And I hope the people that are with us do, but that, is that like a realistic expectation? No. And I feel like, Even in our generation, we've seen a shift. A lot of people, it's like 18 months to 36 months, bounce to somewhere else, lateral, keep going, 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 working your way up the ladder. That doesn't fit Crystal in particular, but in general, I think we don't see career tenure like we did probably in our parents' generation, but my wife for many years was a a recruiter at a big corporate, big public accounting firm, two of them, and she calls people like Crystal Lewis and Abigail, they're boomerang employees and it's a compliment. You know, they're good people that you want to stay. They have to leave for one reason or another and you just hope they return. And when they do, that's, that's a big reward. And I feel really good. I feel really good about it. Um, This is exciting. I mean,
1: I never was. I feel like I was a boomerang employee, but I was like, I used to get fired and get rehired. But that was when I was a bartender. I'd do something stupid. My boss would fire me and then be like, all right, you can have your job back because I made her money. You know, like that's the thing. If you got a good employee that makes you money, I was throwing the party, right? You can't like not have me there. You can have some new person. Nobody knows. Like, it's like I saw a sign once that said like you could never know too many. I think it was like cops and bartenders or maybe it was lawyers. I forget what it was. But it's true. Like, if you go to a bar, and you see your bartender, your guy that's there every, you know, weekend, weekday, you're going to have a good time. If it's somebody new, you're like, oh, let me just get two Bud Light. You know what I mean? It's it's That's a fair point. It's different. It's an and so point. I was a boomerang in the sense that maybe I was uh, like a yo-yo. She would throw me down and I'd bounce right back <laughs> up into her hand. Maybe that's a better an- analogy as to what I was. But, yeah, I got fired like, th- oh gosh, a couple times. I think I went to jail once and then got my job back. Um, that's another story for another podcast day,
0: but... Well, hey, that's there's a lesson in that. We'll talk about it another day, which is just because you got some blemishes on your record doesn't mean that's who you are as a person or who you will become. This is um, true. This is true. That's an episode for another day about overcoming adversity in a, in a way. But staying on the on the career path thing, our firm is in fortunately a state of growth. I think although I'd like to say, "Oh, there's a way you can stay, you know, build a homeostasis, become a bit more static. You don't need to grow, you don't need to shrink." I don't think that's realistic i think most businesses and ours included if you're not growing you're probably dying or decaying and you don't realize it now does that mean you have to go from 10 employees to 100 employees in a year no it's not remotely what i'm talking about doesn't even necessarily mean more employees no not really it could be more practice areas or new offices but we're growing and crystal came on board at an appropriate time for that and thinking through this idea of growth gets me thinking about how many people in the legal industry don't have an opportunity for growth as an individual professional. And I'm talking about beyond lawyers. Okay. I'm talking about the case managers, the receptionists, the file clerks, and then also the associates aspiring to be partners, whatever it is. There are so many people in this profession who are working dead end jobs and don't even see it, whether they call it a career or not, whether they, they convince themselves otherwise or not, it's a dead end career. Um, and I, I know that you and I both pride ourselves on making sure that every single person that works with us knows what you're doing today is not what you have to be doing three years from now. You know, what your title is today is certainly something that's open to change your compensation. You know, we don't really like to put limits on that. We like to create environments where people can, can make their own way. But even putting us aside, I have met people, people I went to law school with people I've met since going to law school and just met through practice you, know, you meet these people, when they finally let their guard down, they're telling you about their day-to-day, right? The, I got to wear a suit and tie to work every day. Or I, you know, as soon as COVID was quote-unquote over, back in the office. Or My favorite, and I mean that sarcastically, one of my closest friends in law school, um, we worked as a law clerk together at a, at a white-collar criminal defense firm in Coral Cables, and he stayed on to be an associate. I quit. I couldn't take the what I perceived to be a toxic environment. He stayed on. And this is, this is a job. Okay. They would not, it was, it was like unspoken, but then if you breached it, it was spoken. You never, you never ate out for lunch. And by eating out, I'm not talking about at fine dining, you didn't leave your fucking desk. Everybody just never said a word, went to the fridge, got their salad, sandwich, whatever, sat back down and kept working. And just so that I'm clear, I'm not talking about on occasion, every fucking day. And if you left, You were, like, ostracized. Well, that didn't work for me, obviously, uh, and so did not a lot of other things. But, John, do you have any experience like that? I mean, this guy, he's brilliant. He's got the brightest career. He's since left, and I'm so happy for him. He's gone into much better things. But this is someone who was there, and at the time, for a lot of other reasons, was trying to probably convince himself that, well, despite this and despite that, I'll have an opportunity to grow here. You know, But he didn't.
1: Yeah, I had the same exact experience. I mean, I got... I think I forget what it was. I was working for a solo when I first started out and I went to meet a couple buddies for lunch. That was it. I got a phone call like while I'm at lunch, by my boss, like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm at lunch with my friends. Oh, you need to come back to the office now. Okay. Hadn't ordered my food. I got up and left not like nothing to eat. And then I got back and I got chastised about how the, fr- we don't go to lunch. You know, look at him, look at me. Like you bring your lunch to work. And I and and I keep thinking about that and I'm like I look back I'm on that now it's like that's oh like if you are that uptight as a boss like you're you're a piece of shit. Yeah, if, if you say like go asshole. take lunch, get out of the office because you know what like when you have good healthy employees you are going to have good healthy work product. If they hate you and they hate what you stand for, they're just working out of spite to get their check and get the fuck out. They're not going to go the above and beyond. I actually that same boss two things. One is my family and my mom's side of the family is like really it's a large family across the country. And like every few years, whether it's three years or five years, there's like a family reunion. We all get together like people from California and my Buffalo and I'm here in Florida. We all meet. I think this time we met in in Pennsylvania. You know, we got a bunch of log cabins in a state park like beautiful. While I'm there, which was a like pre-planned vacation, I got a phone call from him that said I had to come back to work in the middle of my vacation. And I did it. I had my stepdad drive me to Baltimore, Maryland to the, the close, that was the airport that was closest and leave and fly back to work. You know,
0: yeah, that's, that's terrible.
1: I think I'm my, I, I was like, right before I had kids, I think my wife was there. I don't even know. I think I just might've went back by myself.
0: But let's I, be real. You went back probably, and I didn't know you then, but you, you almost certainly went back because you believed in your heart somewhere. I need this job. It's a good job. I have to have it. a future here.
1: I have to have it. I mean, before that, I was working like I got a job making 20 bucks an hour, you know, working 20 hours a week. You know, that was my job out of law school, making $400 a week, you know. <laughs> and so I need But that's the but the thing is, it's like I'm the kind of person like I'm dedicated. I'm committed. And when I say that, yeah, you need some help. Fine, I'll be there, you know. But then like but don't believe for a second that I wasn't like that's a horrible but thing that, that made me had to do.
0: People weaponize that. They yeah. use it against you. They say, oh, this guy's loyal. He's a super hard worker. You, you know, And then they leverage that. And it's not fair. And you know, I can only speak on, on things I've seen or experienced myself. But there's so many, I'm going to call them what they are. They're excuses. Irrational rationalizations for why people stay in dead-end careers in the law. And I'm, again, talking about case managers all the way up through, through seasoned attorneys. Uh, what are the most common things you hear? I'm getting exposed to some really meaningful work. Maybe it's a big client. Maybe it's a big case, a, a really unique legal issue. Um, or how about, well, I started doing nothing and now I'm taking depots. I hear that, like, I mean, some version of that. Or now I'm getting to do expert depots. Um, you convince yourself that you're not worthy of practicing law so much where they have convinced you that by the time they just give you a little crumb Of a case to practice, you think this is like some big deal? That's bullshit. Um, At least in my view, you know, we all pass the bar really not knowing shit, in my opinion, and not having any experience. And how do you gain experience? How do you know what you're doing? Is to try. Just do it. Is to do it. And like, how often, if ever, has a deposition gone so bad due to inexperience that it destroys a case? In my experience, never. And I don't mean like me personally. I mean, never even seen it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there may be like a question you didn't follow up on, or something you could have explored more, like where you let the witness off easy, and that comes with, I think, experience and comfortability of like, look, this is my depot. No, no, no. Like, I appreciate that answer, but like, answer my question. Like, just it's it's a yes, yes. or no, you know, and they don't want to an answer, and sometimes maybe you let them go. But yeah, I mean, I ha- I mean, look, we started. We were relatively young. I mean, you were in the PD's office taking depots. Like, I'm basically starting my practice four months after being a licensed lawyer. Like. Let's go. You know, I've seen some depots. You know, right? And then read some things. You, you like like there's so much information out there.
0: Well, and really, we're talking about a very specific. Because I always hate the term litigation. I hate it because not because it's not inaccurate, it, because it's inaccurate, but because it means so many different things in many different contexts. But we're talking about a subset of litigation, primarily geared towards trial work, where it's single plaintiff or multi plaintiff versus one or two defendants and their insurers on the back, right? That's what we're talking about. And that, that can take many forms from medical negligence to car accidents, huge product liability, pharmaceutical case. So it's not just like some small potatoes. It can be very high stakes. Right. I can't speak to what it's like at huge firms where it's ABC Corp, Fortune 500 versus XYZ Corp, Fortune 500. And there's, you know, it's a bill fest and, and it's all kind of quasi transactional, make-believe litigation. No one's really ever going to trial over it. I, I don't know anything about that. But there's enough people I do know that work in these primarily defense firms, but I've seen it in plaintiff firms, where they're doing this type of work, trial-oriented, injury-oriented, litigation work, and they're getting no meaningful experience, but they convince themselves otherwise. And I just feel like people owe it to themselves to be honest with themselves first. If you're in one of those jobs, really dig deep and find out like, "Is, is my future here? And if it's not, you're better off, in my opinion, moving now and, and building roots somewhere else then you are. Well, I'm only in a year. How's that going to look? Fuck that. And explain to the next person, the next employer, in my opinion, I had to leave. Why? They were smothering me. They wouldn't give me any oxygen to breathe. They wouldn't give me any experience. I'm here to be. I'm, I am capable i am competent i am intelligent i can learn i'm a quick study i want the experience i want to be on the front lines and there's so many different this lawyers is never i mean like, i feel
1: like it's never going to happen i mean depending on if you're on defense or plaintiff's side at least in what we do
0: well what do you always talk about what's the number one thing the golden handcuffs you always talk about i
1: don't know man right? i went to troutman sanders when we were doing the vaginal mesh case, which by the way, like think about this, like I'm a young, how old, what what year was that? Like 2018, 2017 maybe? Yeah, it was 17
0: or 18. Okay. We were,
1: maybe it was right before the firm started or worked together. I'm literally in, you know, I'm litigating myself. You know, this is one component of a vaginal mess case in the multi-district litigation, so I got to get licensed in the court, follow that, get in the Common Benefit Program. I'm deposing in Troutman Sanders, their expert, like their huge expert, who went over my case. Like
0: Troutman Sanders, by the way, is, a, is an enormous defense from Atlanta.
1: But their office was so nice. Like, it was like the nicest place I've ever been to. Mike. bar none. I mean, I've been to some, I think... Excuse me. Maybe it was Shuts Bowen down here. Uh, they got like a bar because they do like alcohol and tobacco. That was pretty sick when you came in the conference room or the entryway. There was a big bar I thought that was interesting. But yeah, it was. And so I could see how getting one of those jobs and you're like, look, I'm gonna go make 120 grand, or I'm gonna make 140 grand, I'm gonna make 160 starting out. I mean, that's the, that's the lie that I was told when I you're gonna go to law school. Right. Everyone gets a job starting out 160 thousand dollars a year. I was making 400 bucks a week. 400 bucks a week, you know, and so I can see how that appeals yeah, but to you. You wound
0: people. up inside of a conference room at and Sanders taking on, I,
1: taking on like three lawyers, me, you know, Matt was there with me, and just, you know, right. it, it's it's interesting to think about. And I would not have had that experience but for starting the practice and being on the plaintiff's side, you know, so, um, yeah. It's, you know, it's,
0: I, I, this is a crude, uh, not crude, but this is a poor analogy or in some respects, but because I hate to always borrow from athletics, but I borrow what I know. Remember back in the day, like you're in a game, um, you you look to the sideline, like maybe your buddy's not at the game. The people who are sitting on the bench are not likely to be the one the coach calls to go in the next play. But like the people standing up near the coach, being active, even if from the sideline, right? Like you got to be present. You've got to be like pressing to get in. If you're just off in the background saying they'll remember me eventually, they'll call my name eventually, it'll be my turn eventually, that's not true. I I don't think, generally speaking, it's not true. Like if you make yourself easy to overlook or easy to walk over, that's what's going to happen. And I don't think the legal profession is any different because uh, business is business, right? And I think you've got to be assertive and have enough um, self-respect, frankly, to stand up for yourself and say, look, I'm not getting enough bites at the apple here. I, yeah. I came here expecting to do this, that, and the third. I'm not doing it. Um, and talk to people about it. What's the worst that happens? I mean, people get so tied to a job, and I'm not I know the economy is is like a primary consideration, in a lot of people's respects, but like if you're a trained professional and especially if you're younger in your career, let's be real. Uh there's a lot of firms that are similar that will take one and you know, somebody who worked at another place, right? If you worked at Mid-sized firm a and you quit it's not like mid-sized firm b c d e all the way through double z are going to not take you it's just not that small of a community mm-hmm. you know yeah if there's some horrific reason why you had to get shit canned or something maybe but if you're just quitting on your own because you want more experience i think more firms would probably respect it and be excited to have you than they would question it that's that's at least my my belief yeah, I, would. yeah I mean, that's,
1: that's true. I mean, I I think like, like, look, when we were coming out of law school, I don't think anyone kind of explained the dynamic between doing plaintiff and defense, right? Like no one, I didn't know, no. you know, what it was. I didn't, the concept of billable hours and the majority of, of the people that I know and you know, my, my good friends, I mean, they all went defense side, right? It's bigger, bigger salaries, you know, steady like work. You can come into your work, do your billable hours and like, you know, the idea of a billable hour to me is is atrocious, you know, because I'll, the day gets away from you and you go back and you're like, "Oh, I don't have any time." I mean, it's just like I got to get my hours in. I mean, that that's just like a weird thing to think about. And the reason why they pay more is easy. They bill these associates out, like let's say they bill them out at 250, 300 bucks or whatever, maybe 200, and then they're paying them what? 65 bucks an hour. So they're right. making one hundred and thirty-five dollars an hour. I'm just you working, so it doesn't matter if it's person A or person B or person C. They just need a body in there to make them one hundred thirty-five bucks an hour. You know, right? And when you have a corporate client on the defense side, I think when you go to, if you're going to trial and all that, they're going to want the big dogs. They're going to want the experienced trial lawyers. They're not going to want the the new younger generation of trial lawyers. It's, and that's that's,
0: that's that's a point exactly that fits with the larger point we're making here. So this is not, at least for me, this is not a pitch that if you're doing insurance defense work, you're throwing your career away. That's no, not, not for a all lot all. of people. That's what they're they're happy doing. They're good at it, and and I respect colleagues on the other side. I really do. So it's not to say that you have to be a plaintiff lawyer to get meaningful work or uh, experience, rather. But even on the insurance defense side, what you just said is so true. If you're at a firm where They're drips and drabs over years, giving. Okay, now you can do this step. Oh, now you can go visit with this expert. Oh, now you can, and you feel like, oh man, I'm I'm building up. Ask yourself the critical question: If you want to be a trial lawyer, are they ever going to let you try a case? Right. Because if the answer is no, because a client will never allow it, then what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. Go to a smaller firm or a different firm, even if larger, who's going to let you try a case? And by the way, I don't mean try a case like they bring four gray haired. You know, people with 30 plus years experience and then they let you carry a box because we've both seen that, too. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm talking about a place that will even if you're third chair, they let you get a witness or two. And then the next job, maybe it's an expert. Right. If you don't ever have a, a chance to step up at the plate and swing, how are you ever going to get that experience? How are you ever going to be a trial lawyer? Yeah, you're never going to be that. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been
1: fortunate, you know. I mean, that's the benefit I had of, of, and and likewise you, I mean, you went the route of going to the public defender's office. We've talked about it. I mean, your ability to get trial experience working for the state, whether it's state attorneys or public defender is bar none, the the best place you can go fresh out of school and get trials. I obviously was different, but being at a small or a solo, like you get to try your own case. I mean, you want to go to trial, go to trial, like, like. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw, you know, a post earlier about, you know, it's like looking for, I think, I forget where it was. It might have been on LinkedIn or something about people talking about, you know, using and, and experiencing the trial programs in various schools and then not being able to go to trial. Having And maybe and it had may be, may be been like 10 years or something like that. And that to me, I don't know, that's just, that's crazy to me, you know, to not have a trial within 10 years, have zero trial experience 10 years out of school.
0: So th- this hits home to me, and it will for you. Uh, our first associate hire together as partners was Elroy John, who worked with us for several years and then was in a position, fortunately for him, where he was able to go out and start his own practice, and he's he's had that successfully. And we're still in, in, great t- in touch and on great terms. Hiring Elroy was a really challenging decision, at least for me personally, and I'll tell you why. Elroy came on our radar because I went and volunteered to judge... Um, I believe it was FIU's trial team competition, like during one of their practice rounds before competition. And Elroy blew everyone else out of the water. I mean, he was such clearly above the rest, like just this this guy's got it. And I reached out to his professor and I figured it out. One thing led to another and we, we interviewed and we talked to him. Um, my concern was someone like Elroy would kick ass at the public defender's office if he decided to go that route for a couple of years. And, who could blame him for doing that? Mm-hmm. But when we pitched him on the job, we told him, and we were truthful about it, I, I can't promise you you're going to try 50 cases in your first three years, like maybe if you were have PD, but you will try cases, and you will try them sooner than later, you will try all different kinds of cases, and you will get meaningful work in those cases, It's uh, those trials, rather. This is not just hot air, and credit to Elroy, he decided to give us a chance, and what? I don't remember exactly, but I want to say it was about three months into his career as a licensed lawyer, he was trying a case with us in federal court giving an opening statement. And then maybe six months as a licensed lawyer, he was in state circuit court in Broward County with me. Back then we were still doing criminal, doing an arson case. Massively high stakes if we lost. Uh, with witnesses, opening, closing, we won that case. We got a flat-out acquittal. Here, uh, what I'm saying is a year into his career he had – two, three verdicts, uh, civil and criminal alike, state and federal. And I'm so happy he gave us the opportunity to make good on our word. And I feel like, I hope he feels like that helped him build a, continue to build the foundation for now. He's gone on to tremendous success, but I just, I want other people to find spots like that. Yeah. You know, we Um, let him, did we let, we let him first
1: try the, uh, the civil trial. Um, No mio, Who is it? Louis. Carlos it was something um yeah
0: down in Miami against uh Patrick Knight who yeah. then was with United right or yeah, United in front of, in front primer, of Pedro uh, Charte. Traveler. Yeah,
1: we let him you know what He got his ass
0: kicked. Okay? He got his ass kicked and Elwer would tell you if he asked him because it's not Elwer's fault. It was a tough case and Elwer didn't have a lot of experience uh and the client was was deserving of a win, but he knew going in with his eyes open it was definitely not a a slam dunk and and we we lost but then kind of reached a resolution. Here's the point of that though where do we start this conversation you don't you don't learn how to swing a bat uh standing in the on deck circle right like yeah. you got to stand up at the plate and have a pitch coming at you we gave Elware that opportunity and this whole thing is not about oh Fisher and David we're so great at giving chances. I'm just saying we there's no way we're unique in this respect. there's got to be a hundred other firms that that treat people like that and yeah. I know of a handful that do go find those places. Go find those places. If you truly want to be a trial or if you really want to speak to jurors and judges in courtrooms and get verdicts, the only way you're going to do that is being in a place where they're going to let you do that. So what the hell are you doing convincing yourself that your current setup, whether it's because of salary or this cool motion I get to write or this depo I get to take, great. And then what? Yeah. You're at a dead end. I right? take
1: less. I mean, I'd take less money to be able to go to trial because then you start getting those trial wins and then you're going to decide, look, like this place gave me, like I'm, I'm such a big proponent of like, if you give me an opportunity and a chance, like I'm not going to like turn my, I'm like super loyal. I'm like the most loyal person ever. Like if you've given me an opportunity, I'm going to remember that forever. I'm never going to look back and say and, and make it like a negative thing or be like, I'm out. Thanks. Like, no, no, I would, there would be that long discussion. So, I mean, look at what I do now in terms of just my first trial, 36 minute of jury selection, terrible the worst jury selection ever now I do jury selection in like three hours everyone 's engaged, things are going i'm getting cause challenges i 'm flowing because i've I have the experience i've done it i've seen what other lawyers do i've tried to implement different things and even on cases where you know some case we you're know, like oh there's no defendant or it's a defaulted party. Go try the case go try the case go try the case get a you know try some different things in jury selection, like you would actually do it and see what works. I mean, that's what I did. How many
0: times do I have to beat this dead horse? Go take a pro bono case. I'm so sick of people saying that comment generically. You should do pro bono. Yes, you should. And it's a great thing to do. And you can do it in a variety of different ways. But in this specific context, if you're at a private firm where you're not going to get trial experience, stop fucking crying about it and tell your firm, look, unless you have some serious objection or there's a conflict, which would almost never happen if you set it up right i'm gonna go on the wheel here so to speak uh southern district middle district whatever i'm gonna call the federal clerk see if there's some 1983 pro se case that's past summer judgment set for trial i'm gonna take it over i'm gonna go try the thing yeah okay and go try it and you'll see you'll get to do the whole thing yourself if you how wanted. many of
1: those did you do
0: i want to i i know i did at least three early on i think when it was all said and done i've done four you total three over
1: the years three and a half Except for the oh, one wow. we were both fired the morning of trial. Oh, I don't c- even count that one. Okay, yeah. I, I I mean I prepped for it, so I'm, I'm gonna count that as a half. So in terms I mean, of we this, showed
0: I, up, we were there,
1: we were there, and Judge Willie D. and and Broward was like, "You can fire your lawyers right now. I want to fire." Thank you, Miss Fish, uh, Miss David. He did, David. Us, he have did a, us good a service. Yeah, it was. The did we would have won that distress. case. We would have won that case. By the way, And one the rule rule of thumb is police officers cannot use a taser. To get compliance, like, hey, I need you to leave. Uh-oh, oh, I don't want to. All right, well, if you don't leave, I'm gonna tase you. That's what happened. And I was like, that's that's a clear civil rights violation. But so I've got one and a half. Jordan recommended and did it. We did it. And it was somebody that, like, on a weird level, not just on the trial, it was a tough trial. We Jordan took the appeal, we took the appeal pro bono, you know, and honestly, just you know, somebody that was in the worst shape. You know, you can make their day just by, you know, kind of being their voice. And you get to go try case, federal court, like, which is tougher than well, th- state court. Think about how
0: funny this is. You go from a world where, really, even if you've never tried a case, you can. You're, you're capable of doing it. The court will allow it. And I promise when it's over, it'll be the greatest experience of your professional life to this point. You could single chair a federal civil jury trial. Literally, you could. Yeah. If you pick up the case, they're not going to tell you you need co-counsel. Bring it if you'd like. I'm going to tell you anything. You could do everything soup to nuts from motions, eliminate jury selection, all the way through closing argument. And you'll see the court staff is super accommodating and patient. The judges too. Opposing counsel's often grateful you're even there so they don't have to try it against the pro se uh, plaintiff. But I'm just saying, I guess what I'm really trying to say is at, at my heart is the notion that, that people aspire to be trial lawyers and they really want to, it's not just lip service, because there's a lot of that bullshit too. But if you really want to be a trial lawyer, You can be a trial lawyer, but you have to try cases. So if you can't do it in your current setup, move. Or if you can't do it now in your current setup, but they're flexible enough to let you do it as pro bono, do it. But like this whole idea of I'm going to just sit and wake up 10 years from now because I'm a 10-year lawyer, I have trial experience, that doesn't fly with me. Yeah. You know, and if we all hear rumors or, you know, time to time you hear rumors about the guy or gal who first time up tried a case, single chair did some random auto case and hit huge for eight figures or something. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it is because there's anomalies that happen, but odds are the best verdicts you're ever going to get as a trial lawyer are not going to be your first several. Yeah, because that- you've got to learn, you got to get your teeth kicked in, um, and unless you build that middle ground, that experience, it's like batting practice, right? right. Like, yeah. you're never going to hit that home run in the big game. You're just never going to do it,
1: dude. We can be Rudy Baylor, and in the mount punitive damages, fifty million
0: dollars. Right? Hollywood does a good job portraying it, so. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Oh, It must have been 150,000 compensatory, 50 million punitive. That's probably going to get brought back down. Anyways. Well, but I co- don't want
0: this to all be about lawyers either. I mean, we both are, so that's where I'm focused. But we employ uh, just as many non-lawyers to do a whole bunch of things for us. And I think if you're a paralegal or a case manager, um, no matter what you're doing for a firm, that doesn't mean that you're stuck in a role. That could mean, hey, I've done pre-litigation cases for a couple of years. I'd like to switch it up and try my hat at litigation, which is a little bit more complicated, a little bit higher stakes. You should have that opportunity. Yeah, Don't be stuck in a hole. Or maybe like Latricia is a common example. So she came on board. She was like my litigation assistant and paralegal and great. And then this is someone who aspires to be a lawyer. So she told us she wants to go to law school. And we said, great go find a program. And we told her, like, if that means you're going to have to go full time, it's going to be really unfortunate to miss you, like to lose your services. But we understand. And she ended up finding a way where, well, if I move to Texas and I get in this night program, I could still work and all this. And we said, great. We were super supportive. And now she's been in Texas for a while. She's still a phenomenal employee and she's bettering herself by, I think she's almost done with her first year of law school. And so I guess what I'm really saying is I, I, want people to know the end of the year is coming sometimes that's the time of year where people start to like plan for the next year goals are being set be honest with yourself are you in a position are you in a place where they they value you enough they they value your future enough that you're truly going to be able to grow because i think everybody deserves that opportunity and if you're not there don't be scared and little thinking don't don't convince yourself the world the universe is so small that this current employer is the only place for you there's probably a lot of other better spots you can land if you're in one of those situations.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate, you know, just with the people that we have. And like, like the idea is that, so it's it's, I talk about people wanting to better themselves and like wanting to, you know, grow. So it's like, if somebody was like, look, I wanna make sure they're trying to grow and develop what they wanna do here, but if we're not the right place for them and they think they're gonna grow somewhere else, that's like, I, I, I can't, it's like this internal, I guess, d- dilemma that I have is like, on one hand, I want them to, to grow, and if it's not with me, I want them to grow with somebody else, but if, if, if but at the same time, I don't wanna lose them, right? So it's like that that balance test of like, at the end of the day, man, just, if my employee's happy and it's not here, then you know then I'm not doing my job, right? And I think when I talked about earlier about having those shitty bosses, your same experience, Jordan, having that shitty boss can make you a better boss, right? I mean, because I know what I don't want to have. I don't, like, I don't stand over top someone and be like, things, like, yeah, all I look at is like, are you producing, right? In our business, are you making money? Are you getting your work done? If that's the case, fine, you know? We're not helicopter bosses. We don't hover over top of our employees, I don't put cameras in there to make sure people in the office I don't call to check in like I just expect work to get done and then we we have our meetings and you tell me if it's been done or not, you know, yeah. I,
0: give give people an opportunity to show you who they are and I, then believe them when what they show you because their actions speak louder than words. And if it jives from a culture standpoint and a, and a workflow standpoint, then it works. And if it doesn't, then I know you and I have no problem telling people, hey, this isn't working. Fortunately, yeah. It hasn't come up a lot. But the same is true on the other side of the card. You know, I I think people, I really do. I think people have, they do themselves a disservice by convincing themselves they're not significant enough, important enough, experienced enough. Uh, They haven't been patient enough. Like, look, I I am very much against just carte blanche blanche entitlement, like just getting something for the sake because you feel like you're entitled to it. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm talking about knowing your self-worth and knowing where you want to be. If you really know where you want to be, and you're you're on a path where you'll never get there, like you need to cross a body of water and you know there's no bridge ahead or no tunnel, then what the hell are you doing there? Why spend any more time? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah,
1: turn around find Um, a new path.
0: God, I like that.
1: You know, Jordan, so you need to be doing the posts about all that insight. That shit was deep. Standing over a body of water with no bridge? That's amazing. I didn't even, I've it's never, how I feel. I, and, and I, and I've never thought about that. And it's not about overcoming adversity. It's like, there's a bridge, it's not there and it's never going to get there. So what are you doing? Turn around and go find somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's yeah, going to get bitter. Yeah. And I think like that, it, like resentment builds like bitterness, right? When you're like, when you don't get things and, you know, I want, I want employees that like, they want to give, make promises, not excuses. Right. And saying that. You know, you almost it's like you'll find who you are as a person put into an environment where like it's all on you. You know, it's not on us. Like to me, if if you want a person that's going to micromanage, that's not going to be me. I'm going to say, here's your opportunity to succeed. If this is what you want, if you want to be this trial, like you want to do these things, go do it. Show it to me. Don't tell me. And then come in and then be like, oh, I couldn't do this or the case wasn't good or, you know, just just find a way to just, you know, Get it done. If you got a case that you think sucks, settle it. Settle it or, or you know, you withdraw from the case. I mean, that's the reality is, is like you're going to spend more time on that. So you want to just, you know, keep moving. and And that will, in a way, you can build your own bridge,
0: right? Yeah, I feel like it's a matter of building an environment, not building your own ego as the employer, right? I think there's a lot of people who employ others, law and other industries, and they convince themselves, I'm going to train this person. They're going to become a mini me. They're going to do things exactly how I do it because how I do it's the best. This, that, that's bullshit, I think. Uh, that's a topic for another day. But you can build an environment. I feel like you and I are similarly minded where we, we vet people. We interview them. We feel like they have, whether it's raw talent, some experience, some combination mm-hmm. of, of factors where we're like, all right, this is a good fit. But then you come on board and what do we think? We say, here's what kind of computer do you want? How many monitors? Great. Here you go. Do you need some support staff? Okay, great. Here you go. You need access to Wessel on research? Great. Here you go. You need a a bank of of documents that we filed in the past that are similar? Here you go. You need uh, Slack channels to to communicate instantly and DM your, your colleagues in the firm and ask questions and get some ideas and instant feedback? Boom. Here you go. So it's like build the environment for people to grow into the best versions of themselves, and I'm proud of us that we try really hard to do that. And I think you'll get more out of people that way, and I don't just mean productivity or even end results. I'm talking about just, like, longevity, Happiness, a less toxic work environment. And I mean, how often have we had a situation where you and I have handled the case for a little while, somebody new comes on, we hand them that case. And the next thing you know, they're, they're taking a different course of action that we didn't think of. And boom, now they've settled the case or gotten a higher offer or a yeah. better outcome than that we were going to do. Because the point is, we want people who can thrive in our environment. And ultimately, what matters is that the client gets the best outcome. And if that happens, then we've done our job.
1: Well, I mean, we always talk about it. I think a lot of entrepreneurs talk about, like, reinvesting in the business. And I think the most important is investing in your employees, right? Getting the good people, having good systems and good support in place to allow them to be their self. Because you're right. You can't be, like, I don't want people to be me. Like, I don't think anybody can be me. I'm kind of crazy in this sense, but in a good way. You know, I've got my own things. My desk is a mess. You know, I'm not, like... I got stuff on the floor, but they're organized piles. That's why I like. Organi- I call it organized chaos, right? Like, if you come in and move something, I'm going to lose my mind because I know where everything is. It's, as weird as that may sound, it's true. But, like, some people do things differently, and that's cuz them. Because right, so you don't
0: impose that on other
1: people. Right, because, well, the thing is, if, if you if you want to be a trial lawyer, the main thing is is being genuine and sincere, and you can't do that trying to mimic someone else. You can take things from them and make it your own, you know? We've taken stuff from Mitnick, Raleigh, you know, and put them into our own and, and then be us, you know? I mean, that that's that's what makes you that genuine. I think your employees have the same way of like, look, these are, here's your checklist of what you need to get done, but like how you do it and implement that is fine because that's got to be you, how it makes, you know, comfortability for you. And I think it's the, you know, when you're coming out, you know, you don't, you don't think about any of this stuff like coming out of school, you know, what you want to be, you know, and, and I really think we put like too much energy on. You're a lawyer. You need to work ninety hours a week. You have no life. You know. I just. I don't know, man. I don't. Maybe that sometimes that happens. I have weeks where I'm like, look. I tell my wife I got to work seven days the next two weeks, seven days in a row, because because I got no, so but much. You're work. talking
0: about the norm as opposed to that's the ebbs and flows yep. of running a trial practice, right?
1: You know, and I think that that's what builds burnout. Well, well, that's John, what people get do, do unmotivated.
0: The If somebody can get the job done over if if over two months the work is a little slower than usual. And I don't mean like there is no work to do. I mean there's no pressing deadlines, there's no hearings, there's or minimal hearings, definitely no trials, then why the hell does somebody need to be in an office 90 hours pretending? No. You know? When when the time comes and you need them to put in those hours or or perform in court, can they do that? And as long as the answer is yes then why should you press it any other Yeah, I,
1: and I think that's the way when there comes time when it's like, hey, listen, we're going to be in, you know, there's going to be times when there's going to be split trials. We've done that where one team's in this trial, the other team's on another trial, and there's no one at the office except potentially Lewis. And, and you know, that that happens, you know, but in the weeks before and the weeks up to that, it's a ton of work, you know, and, you know, it, it allows for that, I don't know, that, that time when you can call upon them and say, hey, look, let's do the work, and they're like, dude, let's go. It's trial time. You know, it's different. Yeah. It's a, it's an expected reason. So I feel like, look, happy employees, you have happy clients, which ends up with better results. So the our investment repays tenfold because I think if all you're doing is putting out fires and trying to handle too much and you're unhappy, then it's just, you know, you're just trying well, to move shit off your plate.
0: This is the last thought I can contribute on this, but I've been thinking about it, and I finally think I found the words to convey what I actually feel about it. If you're in our business, then you do a lot of um, setting the value of things, right? setting the values mm. of loss. Well, how the hell can you set the value of another person's life when you haven't calibrated the value of your own as the professional? You know, And I just think people need to wake up a little bit more and be a little more self-critical and aware and say, am I in the best position that I need to be in to get to where I want to go? Because mm. ultimately you'll be a better lawyer for your clients down the road if, if you make those decisions to put yourself in a position to grow. Um, so just know your own worth. That's that's what I would say.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't actually have anything to fall that. That was actually another another gem, Jordan.
0: God, he's so good. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, look, that's and, okay. And
1: and, and, and and by the way, you guys weren't here. Me and Jordan first started out. Kind of a little quick story. We started with some video production. Um, we were working with a company producing branding videos, things like that. And Jordan always had. Like, off the cuff, the best, most impactful statements surrounding an issue. I'm having to practice, like, oh, that doesn't make sense. You know, Jordan was just always so eloquent and put together. And, like, the re- and I feel like that's a bit of him as a person, but also, like, his appellate advocacy, because he can come up with these great metaphors and analogies, you know, whether it's life, business, or a case. You know, and it's always great to watch um, over the past five Probably. years of, you know.
0: I'll take the compliment, yeah. but John is the exemplar of humility. Clearly, because everybody's <laughs> seen him perform. But look, I I hope, if nothing else, at least one person out there watches this or listens to this and takes it to heart and makes a change for the better this year. I know it's so arbitrary, the end of the year is so arbitrary, but you've got a couple months left, or you know, however you want to look at it, you know, a couple of weeks, five, six weeks left in the year. Plan, self evaluate, and take take action because at the end of the day. If you know you're not in the right position and you should be doing better and you deserve better and you don't take the steps to get it, it's nobody's fault, but your own.
1: 100%. 100%. All
0: right. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. All right, everybody. Take care. One, two, three, four. There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company.
1: And the truth shall sets you free. I want the truth can't handle the truth. Great moments are born in great opportunities.